I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of a family. Wherever I roam, up and way home, that's where I long to be. I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of insanity. Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity. I fake a smile, no. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. And for the last time this season, MLB Wide Hot Stove. Next, the very next episode will be the MLB Wide preview where we do divisions, World Series matchups. MVP, Cy Young winners. That's always a fun episode. That will be recorded a week from today. But finally, this long winter is coming to an end. For those of you staying up late tonight on Periscope, the podcast, as always, can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud, literally everywhere. Whatever your favorite app is, we are most likely available. I am Terry Cushman and am joined, as always, by Jeremy Schilling and Stephanie Allen. How are you guys? I have had an interesting day, um, to say the least. But I will say that I am good. Um, not because I'm excited for Terry's bad takes, but because I am headed to Las Vegas tomorrow for the first two rounds of the March Madness. So it's going to be hard for Terry to ruin my night tonight. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> oh, Terry, sounds like a challenge. I, uh, that's <laughs> my goal. Like, I wake up in the morning and I ask myself two questions. I'm like, number one, are we recording tonight? And if the answer is yes, I'm like, can I fucking ruin Jeremy's night? And How can I run shillings? He operates at a high success level too. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Jeremy's in a good mood. Uh, we got uh, one last kind of technically winter episode to get through, and uh, as I said in the intro, and then we're gonna be getting into some actual baseball here finally. And I think I'm the first one who gets to see the Red Sox play live this year. You do. I, I'm not seeing them until <laughs> July 14th against the Dodgers, which is a ESPN game on a Sunday. So I don't know what we're doing for a show that night, uh, but we'll figure something out. It's fine. Jeremy and I got it. Yeah, I'm sure you guys would. It would be the happiest show of all time, you know, without, <laughs> without my negativity. Um, yeah, so... A little bit of news this week. We know Chris Sale is the opening day starter. You know, biggest shocker ever. Um, Dustin Pedroia, as we're about to get into, uh, even more shockingly, will start the year on the disabled list. Uh, I've seen some reports today that he could potentially be ready by the home opener, which I believe is April 9th. So, um 
possible date. I think he's only had seven at-bats as of yesterday, and actually that must be. I think they were rained out today. So he's only had literally seven at-bats uh, this whole spring so far. So, Jeremy, you know, how shocked were you? On a scale from one to ten? I have a Zero. feeling. Uh, okay. I yeah. mean, what – I saw. I, I, I'm trying to find the tweet and and because I wanted to read it, but I, I didn't screenshot it. Now I can't find the goddamn thing. But somebody, some blue checkmark, um, tweeted something to the effect of, "I don't understand how Red Sox fans can be so negative about Dustin Pedroia. Uh, give the guy a chance for his comeback before you, you know, you know, give him a hard time." Are you fucking kidding me? The the guy hasn't been productive in two years. And the last time he was productive, he threw his teammates under the bus for protecting him. It makes absolutely no sense. Uh, not to mention the Eck thing. Uh, you know, and then his quote was something to the effect of, and I'm paraphrasing because I also don't have the quote up, so so far I'm off to a good start here. Of course they're going to send me to extended spring training. No one's ever come back from this. So, in that quote, I see it two ways. One, he's building in an excuse. And two, he's inflating his own self-worth by saying, I'm about to do something no one else has done. Uh, people come back from injuries all the time. Different injuries, different types of injuries, just different severity of injuries. Get the fuck out of here, Dustin. Like, I'm sorry. I just, I, I have no patience for it. My, my, my favorite part about this whole thing is... <laughs> Alex Cora came out and said all they're going to do is carry an extra bullpen arm. Like, they're not even going to, like, they, we don't need a player instead of Dustin Pedroia. We need pitching. So what does that say about his value with the club? Like, we're not, we're, hey, we're not going to bring two-way Lynn on, you know, another middle infielder, because there's actually no need for it. The need is in the bullpen. But when he comes back, we're going to go from 13 arms to 12 and have Pedroia in the lineup and we'll have 13 position players. It's laughable. And it's just such a – this is such a clear situation where the contract is dictating the handling of the player, which I don't fault the Red Sox for. Like, they're in the middle of a bad contract. I get it. I understand that they – you know, $40 million left in the deal or more for three years. Like, they got to get something out of them. They can't have another uh, Pablo Sandoval contract. They can't have another year of DFA and Hanley at $22 million. They just can't have dead money on the books. Now – I really do think they're going to ultimately have dead money on the books at some point, whether it be next year or the year after. But they're going to do everything they can to squeeze whatever uh, Pedroia's got left. Am I, uh, you know? But at the end of the day, am I surprised at all? No, I, I expect nothing from him, so I can't be disappointed. Uh, my only surprise is the people that have come to his defense. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't pass the eyeball test. Like, take your personal um, uh, appreciation and past, uh, you know, affinity for Dustin Pedroia out of it. He, the last time he was productive, he was being a bad teammate, and he hasn't been productive. And the injury he's had is, is to a knee where it's going to affect him long run. And he's even admitted he can't, he's not going to be healthy. We have to have, you know, the term now I love that professional athletes are using is load management. He's saying, you know, 120 games would be good. Well, he's not going to get to 120 games because he's not going to be ready right away. Um, I, I hope 
Now, with all that said, and this is my last part of my opening statement on this, I hope as a Boston Red Sox fan that he comes back as soon as possible and that he's productive because that's what's best for you know, the whole entire situation, the fact that he's owed the money he's owed, the fact that he's won an MVP, the fact that he can be great if he's productive. And so I do hope and I am going to root for Dustin Pedroia. Do I expect anything really overtly positive to come out of his production? No, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if that is the best case scenario for the Red Sox, though. For, I guess for him to come back and be 100% productive, sure, but we're never going to get back the PD that was, so what we're getting is a watered-down version of that, and I think there's a, plenty of other people who could step up at this point. Well, that's one of the problems that I see, and some people, and it sounds like you're going to disagree with me, but uh, Nunez is not the answer. Holt is not the answer. Um, and part of the concern with Kinsler not in the roster is they don't have a quote-unquote everyday second baseman. Um, if it's Nunez, he stinks defensively. And as great as he's been at certain times, especially in 2017, offensively, he's just that bad defensively. And he, you know, he'll make a flashy play. But with his bulky knee issues, of uh, you know, he has his own knee issues. He's not real great with range. Then besides maybe, um, oh my God, I'm spacing it on the third baseman. Um, Devers. I can't believe Devers? Uh, yeah, Rafi Devers. Yeah, Rafi Devers. No one is worse than the Boston Red Sox at balls hit right at him. With Holt, <laughs> Holt's, Holt's value is his ability to play every day at a different position and be productive offensively. He is, again, not the answer as an everyday second baseman. So without re-signing Kinsler, which you can't do if you're expecting Pedroia, there is no everyday answer at second base. It's going to be a a rotation, a fill-in-the-blank. And if he's not ready and he isn't productive by the time July rolls around, you're going to see another Kinsler-type deal to to fill that void. Interesting. What do you think about, like, Zue Lin or bringing somebody up? So Zui Lin's a nice player as far as, um, in my opinion, his, again, his ability to play multiple positions. He offers almost nothing offensively. He has absolutely no power. He does make the plays right at him, and he is a good, sound defensive player. Um, and you can count on him uh, health-wise. And I think it's one of the reasons why every time they have had to pull someone from within the organization, it's been Zui Lin. But he, again, is not an everyday answer at the big league level, especially at second base. He's just not. Now, if you're in a position where Pedroia's coming back, but you know Nunez or Holt are injured, he's a good one-month, two-month answer, but he just offers nothing offensively. Listen, we've got five utility guys if you if you have Pedroia on the roster we have five utility guys on the right side of the infield you got him Pedroia himself Nunez Holt Moreland and Pierce what fucking team has that many utility guys and we don't know what Devers is can he stay healthy can he handle it will he need to get auctioned and that's a whole different can of worms and then Take in the fact that Pedroia hasn't had steady at-bats since 2017. And go back to that season. In August, 
of 2017, he played literally one game in which he went 0 for 4 with a walk. That was the only game he played that August. September, the next month, he was a lot more active, played 19 games, only hit 242, no real power, one home run, eight runs batted in. And then in the playoffs, we only went, what, four games? He was 2 for 16 with a 125 batting average and didn't score a run, didn't hit a home run, didn't drive in any runs. So going as far back as you know the summer of 2017, he hasn't done a whole lot. Last year, between rehab and the three games he did play, he was 1 for 28. So 28 at-bats total in 2018. Spring training this year, he's only had seven at-bats. I mean, everyone in the lineup had seven at-bats in that one World Series game. That's all Pedroia has been able to muster all spring. And he had his last surgery in July of last year, which was fairly minor. It was an arthroscopic surgery, which is the same type of surgery Kimbrell had in the middle of the season in 2016, and he was back pitching again three weeks later. So that surgery for Pedroia was in July. He's been working out since last October. Here we are in March. Five months later, he's still not ready. He can still not play back-to-back games. This guy is done. It's, it's not just whether he can stay healthy. It's whether he can even perform at at the major league level and i'm highly skeptical ask yourself not this. only or, well go ahead i'm not only skeptical of if he can perform i'm skeptical of does he want to everybody talks about what a competitor he is and how it kills him being in the dugout yet then he makes comments you know much to what jeremy was talking about like no one's come back from this and and you know i have to teach myself to take it easy and things like that and it's like do you want to play or not I don't know. And he even said that the the Red Sox are too scared to start him on opening day. (laughs) You know, like, what kind of language is that? He's had seven fucking at-bats. How selfish do you have to be to try to force your way into the lineup when you you haven't even backed it up? I I mean... He's fucking delusional. Exactly. That's the term. Delusional. Delusional. I mean, look, Terry, I, you're not going to get much of an argument with me on, on Pedroia, except for the fact that I'm at least hopeful that he's productive, and it seems like you're almost rooting against him. Oh, I now, I, gone. I don't Gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you, but he's not going to be gone because he's okay. So let me gone. understand, Terry, you, you don't want him here? No, I don't. Kidding. And to Jeremy's comment <laughs> just now, I don't give a fuck what he's owed. What did that $13 million do last year? If he can't perform, he can't perform. He's done. It's no different from the Pablo Sandoval situation. Uh, the Blue Jays so, guy there, Tulowitzki, was owed, I think, like $15 million. Only one year, but you know what? The Blue Jays didn't think it was worth it. They could have they started him this season, and if he got off to a good start, like he might actually with the Yankees, they could have traded him, but they just cut him. They didn't give a fuck. All right, so again... To reiterate, I don't disagree with you on Pedroia. The only difference we have is you're rooting against him. I, 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 in my opinion, based on the money, he's not going anywhere. And so for that reason, I'm hopeful that he's productive. Do I think he's going to be productive? No. I want to just bring up one thing, okay? 
Terry's insistence to throw in the first base as some sort of shot there on, on, on you know, we have five utility players on the right side of the infield. And I understand he wants Dahlbeck and Chavis to, to emerge and, and, and to be everyday players, whether it's Dahlbeck or Chavis at first, whatever. Like, and I don't want to make this a thing. This isn't a topic. But, like, again, this is where I disagree with Terry because those guys are productive, consistent major league players, especially Pierce against left-handed hitters. He's a plus 900 OPS, plus defenders at that position. There's no reason not to expect those guys to, to be some assimilation of what they were last year and to solidify a spot uh, with, with the platoon of right-left uh, starting pitching. It, it just it, I don't understand, and maybe we can put this into, into the next podcast, but I don't understand the insistence on that being an issue when it clearly was not an issue last year after they acquired Pierce. But on Pedroia, again, I, I, honestly, you, if you disagree that Pedroia is a problem and that he's continuing to be a problem, then you're not, you're not, you're failing the eye test with regards to whether you're going to root for him or root against him. I'm a, I'm in the camp of he's going to be here. So you might as well root for him because if he doesn't, then it's, it's just, again, it's just dead money. It's a DFA ex superstar, you know, so that's where I'm at with it. Well, I mean, I'm fine with a platoon of, of Holt and Nunez at second base. Nunez wasn't pro- really healthy himself last year either, you know, and I'm, I'm shocked he didn't have surgery after the way he was carried off the field in game one of the 2017 ALDS. When he was traded to the Red Sox, he was the spark that kind of got that offense going that, that winter. He had four home runs all year, and then he... He had four home runs in his first week with the Red Sox. He was just absolutely on fire. I can't say much for him defensively. I'm not going to argue that. But then again, what what is Pedroia defensively at this point? I do have to touch on the Chavis-Dahlbeck thing because you brought it up. I, uh, what's his name? Moreland hit like 177 the last two months of 2018. That's who he is. He's a streaky hitter and... His value is really his glove, and I love Steve Pierce. I don't want him to go anywhere. He's a Yankee killer. I think we need to keep him for that reason, and, you know, so I hope he doesn't go anywhere, but if Chavis or Dahlbeck is killing it the way Will Middlebrooks was killing it, you know, when he was called up, that's what I'm going Ugh. with. That's what I'm going with. Like we're we're polar opposites when we look at prospects, but I don't see any value in Mitch Moreland. And in a perfect world, I would probably move Devers over to first, let him platoon with Pierce. I think that would be a perfect platoon. And then Chavis natural position and I believe Dahlbeck as well is third base. So a lot of stars would have to align for that to happen. It probably won't, but that's my ideal situation. And these guys got to come up sometime. And I'm sick of Moreland being a, a strikeout machine in the second half. He's really good in the first half, falls off a cliff the second half. I don't see the value in that. And these young kids, when they come up, they they provide a lot of spark and they can lift a team. Look at Benintendi. He instantly lifted that team in uh, the 2016, I mean, they weren't really doing much out in left field, and 
we looked like a better team once he came up. He was hitting for power, and he was one of the few guys that even showed up in the Cleveland series. He went deep at least once or twice. So I'm all for having these guys up if their numbers justify it down in Pawtucket. If they're killing it, I want them here. And getting back to Pedroia, he's a piece of shit. I, I hate everything about him. I'm ready for this era to end. And Dave Dombrowski didn't draft him. He didn't sign him to his first extension. He didn't sign him to the the big eight-year extension. He's got no... Yeah, he, there's no... PD and Cora are buddies, though. Well, that's going to be a Dombrowski decision. There, there's no way There's no way Cora's going to going to be involved in that. And I don't think Cora wants to be involved in that. But I think he wants to win. And when when Pedroia got called up in 2007, Cora was killing it. He was hitting like 300-something. The dude was on fire. And they had to keep telling him, as good as he's doing, they said, when Pedroia comes up, he's our guy, and you need to know this. Like, once he gets called up, and, the, the, you know, that's a – that could be a Chavis Moreland situation this season, but but once he gets called up, he's the guy, and that's what happened. And then Cora became the utility guy. I think we had him till about halfway through the 2008 season. Then he got traded, and that happened to be Pedroia's MVP season. But um, you know, that's that's the circle of life in Major League Baseball, and. You know, and Pedroia's days are done. And we all knew in his 20s when he was getting injured, the way he played the game as aggressively as he did, it was fun to watch, but it was going to shorten his career. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now. And if Pedroia was on any other team, he's done. He's gone. They, they, He'd be DFA'd on any other team. There's no point in keeping him around if he, if he can't play. And... I don't know if they'll DFA him this year, but like I was just saying, he's not Dombrowski's guy. Dombrowski doesn't have the same attachment to him that that Epstein and and Sherrington and probably Tito Francona. We know they're you know we know him and John Farrell weren't close in the end, but um, but yeah, and he's been on the wrong side of a lot of controversies. I'm not going to go through them all, but you can say 2011, 2012, and 2017 we had a pretty toxic clubhouse. And he was a key figure in that clubhouse. So I, it's time to pass the torch. Let Mookie lead the team. If JD's still here, let him do it. Chris Sale, I don't care. I, I don't want it to be Pedroia. Well, that's a good transition to Mookie. And the Mike Trout deal. Uh, well, Jeremy, do you have any final thoughts? or no? Fire Terrence up. Um, honestly, I just... I'm debating if I even want to say what I want to say because <laughs> oh, you should. I I mean I think you have to say it. Uh, you know, regardless of how to to, dis- to discount the value of the money on the table and just say they should DFA him is, is, in my opinion is just again now now I'm in the middle of the take and I I want to just be careful about what I want to say here but to say that the money isn't a factor is it's like borderline like it, it's it's a take NATO. Like it's 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 all be damned with the fact that they owe this guy forty million dollars. They should DFA him today. They should just piss away forty million dollars when he is 
theoretically healthy, although short of being ready for game day action, according to the, the, the doctors. It To me, it's... it's like and again, I I don't dis- disagree that he's not going to be. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I agree that I don't expect anything from him. But I mean, to just DFA him and sit on forty million dead money, it's just silly at this point. Like the guy's trying to come back. I give him some credit for that. But to just say, well, we should DFA him, and I don't understand why we haven't DFA'd him. I mean, g- g- give me a fucking break. I don't. He's owed forty million dollars. The Red Sox. I don't give a shit whose guy he is. The owners still have to pay him forty million dollars. So at the end of the day, they're going to give them every chance to, to be somewhat successful, to be somewhat productive. So I just don't – I refuse to just quickly dismiss it and say it's dumb. It's not. Pablo, the money is important. Pablo I'm Sandoval sorry, was owed 60 when he was DFA'd. And Pablo Sandoval wasn't trying, Terrence. He showed up 40 pounds overweight yeah, and was a I goddamn don't... slob and pathetic uh, – uh, uh, pathetic attempt um, at a professional athlete. Pedroia is trying. He's giving effort. He's in shape. He's done what he's had to get healthy. It's well, not the same situation. In 92 yeah, games last season, in 92 games last season, Sandoval hit 248, nine dingers, 40 runs driven in. Pedroia hasn't hit that the last two years, and he's probably not going to hit that the rest of his career. I mean, what's right, it going to take? Didn't, Panda didn't want to be in Boston to begin with. That was clear. I mean, it, it was a terrible. Pedroia at least wants to be here. I mean, he's saying all the things that we want to hear. Panda wasn't even doing that. He's splitting his belt, batting. Like, come on, they're not the same. I don't. I don't care what. I'm just talking about the physical numbers and what they're both physically capable of. I don't care what the perception is. I'm. I'm giving you the cold hard stats. Right, but you're not going to just DFA someone who's at least trying. The reason they DFA'd Panda is he he didn't give a shit. He didn't care. So why waste your time and energy with him? At least Pedroia is trying. I think that's what Jeremy's trying to say, and it's definitely what I'm saying. He's at least trying. He's saying he wants to be here. He's working. So they're trying to get something for their money out of him well, rather than just DFAing him. That, that, and Panda got paid and then became a slob. He had no he had no money in the bank with the Red Sox. His, his bones were made in San Francisco. Pedroia won a Rookie of the Year, has has been a part of multiple World Series championships, and won an MVP. No. And look, this is coming from some. I don't like Dustin Pedroia. I don't like him as a leader. I don't. I don't think he's uh, what he thinks he is, and I don't think he's productive anymore. But. He, ha- it's not the same situation. So just applying statistics to a body of work that is just not the same doesn't make sense to me. And again, Pedroia's owed forty million dollars, and he has been successful in this city. Did he handle the Machado thing wrong? No question about it. Did he handle the Eck thing wrong? No fucking question about it. But he's in shape. He is getting to the point where he thinks, or the team, or the both the team and the player think he's healthy. Now, am I holding out hope that he's going to be productive? No, not necessarily. And if in six months they DFA him because he's not, I got no problem with that. It makes no sense to pull the plug right now. Zero sense. With Pablo Sandoval, a big factor in why he was DFA'd was because Devers was days from coming up and absolutely killed it at the end of the 2017 season. So when, you, when you're completely trying to shoot down Dahlbeck and Chavis, it's the same fucking thing. One of those guys are going to force their way onto the roster. Guess what? 
They're not going to DFA Holt. They're not going to DFA Nunez. Maybe Moreland, like I said, but one of those guys is going to take Pedroia's job. Who in their right mind thought Kevin Euclid, who was a fucking god in the city of Boston, would get shipped out of town seven weeks into the 2012 season? He was an all-star the previous year. And yeah, he went on the DL for the rest of the year in August, but if I told you on April 1st, 2012... Kevin Euclid isn't going to be on this team in seven weeks. You'd have lost your fucking shit. So it's the circle of I fucking never liked life. Euclid. It's the I fucking hated him too. He was a crybaby, just like Dustin Pedroia. But I, the, it's the circle of life, and and that's what it's going to be. And there's a good chance that maybe Pedroia isn't ready, or maybe he does come up in April. Plays eight or ten games, has dismal numbers, has to go back on the DL. They're going to have to do something to create a roster spot. Then what? Then what? Well, I agree with you then. I'm going to be spewing just the same way I am tonight. I've seen this movie before. That is a botched, that was a botched surgery he had, cartilage restoration. It was kind of an experimental surgery because there was no other fucking options. Stephen Wright had it as well and had to take fucking steroids and he's not going to be playing for the next few months and when he's not going to be eligible for the postseason but you know what his knees fucking he shot doesn't too. know how those got in his body caring no that's okay. what they he all say know. everybody what steroid <laughs> guy what steroid guy said oh yeah i did it on purpose they're they're always like oh how'd that get there chavis did it last year and then and then he said he was just going to rely on god and instantly when he brought up God guilty, you know, and I just, <laughs> it's not going to work. It's not going to work. He's got seven fucking at-bats. How's he going <laughs> to? We're not We're not disagreeing that it's not going to work. We get that. Yeah. I get that. All I know right. it's not going to work. I think if we all were to put bets on it, how long Pedroia lasts, it's, it's not the season, obviously. It's not 125 games, obviously. But I don't think, I don't think we DFA him yet. Do I think it's coming? Sure, probably. Well, he might not get DFA'd this season even. I mean, I'm probably jumping the gun with that, but I I expect him to be about as relevant as he was last season, in which we won 108 games without his useless ass. You know, so... Uh, that's... I'm more annoyed that he's around and keeps getting talked about. Like, he pulls the attention. Yeah, and the, and the Red Sox are scared. They're, they're scared to start him. <laughs> so... Right. Yeah, so, all right. I, I never want to be that person. My team's scared to start me. They're scared I'm going to fail They're scared them. of fucking wow. losing that's is what great. they're afraid of. That's, if they're scared of anything. Terrific. All right, so, if you want to crap on me one more time, Jeremy, I won't even respond this time. So, if you want to, if you want a free one, go ahead. <laughs> I don't want a free one, and I don't want to necessarily, like, be perceived as attacking you so i mean i just oh, that's fine i i don't think it's a good take and i'll just leave it at that okay that's that's fine um huge news of the day literally um mike trout signed an extension i mean he's essentially owed uh 426 million dollars um, 66 of that he was owed anyway. So I don't know what you want to call the actual contract. It's 360 getting tacked on to what he was already owed. So, I mean, it's essentially, you know, the biggest deal of all time. You know, if you add it all up, um, stupidest team in major league baseball, the Anaheim angels. And 
let's just put things in perspective. Their key signings this year to, to try to keep up with the Astros was Cody Allen, who was a busted reliever from Cleveland, had a four-something ERA last year and just completely, basically like Kimbrell in the playoffs all year long was Cody Allen. And then they signed Matt Harvey, who is a raging fucking head case. There's a lot of character issues with him. He no-showed to a Mets game because his girlfriend left him literally for Julian Edelman, not making that up. Um, He's had issues in the clubhouse in the past. After he looked good during the World Series run 2015, and then for whatever reason after that, well, he did have thoracic outlet uh, surgery, and but he's never really recovered, you know, for a you know significant amount of time, and um, so that's a that was a key move that the Angels made, and you know, just a, an absolute dumpster fire organization giving a guy a huge contract that's probably going to hurt them in a lot of other ways. But Jeremy, what, what were your thoughts on it? Um, it was a reaction to the fact that he was clearly going to go to Philly if the money was equal. They threw the money at him and it, because they knew they had to to keep him. And I don't blame them for that at all. I really don't. Um, the money is ridiculous. It sucks because it, it, it eliminated not that we weren't probably are eliminated from the Mookie Betts sweepstakes, but you know, Mookie's going to be seeking something in a similar range and that just totally eliminates the Red Sox. So it's, it's for that reason, it's frustrating. And the, the minute I saw it, my head dropped, um, meaning, you know, what was the, my immediate thought was the effect on the Red Sox and Mookie and that, and that stinks. Do I fault the angels? I don't, um, he is the best player in baseball. He's potentially one of the best players, if not the best player, literally of all time. Um, he he is good at literally every aspect of baseball. Um, he's His consistency is off the charts. So I don't fault the team for keeping the best player in baseball, knowing they weren't going to, if all things were created equal, and they were offered the same money as, let's say, Philly, that they were going to retain him. It wasn't going to happen. So... I don't fault them. Um, you know, Mike Trout's a likable dude, and I'm, you know, I'm happy for the for the human being. Um, it's 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 a shocking amount of money. It's amazing that literally two weeks ago, uh, Machado, dirtbag, and um, and Harper couldn't. You know, they were they were haggling over what seemed like every what everyone knew was going to be a three hundred million dollar contract, and then this thing comes up and it's a hundred million dollars over that. That's just absolutely nuts. Um, the Angels are not a great program. I don't think they're the worst program in Major League Baseball, but they're not great. Um, they have a lot of problems, um, and obviously, by signing one player to this amount of money, it hampers your ability to address other issues within a roster. But he's the best player in baseball. I mean, he is. And you had to overpay to keep him. And so, again, I don't blame the L.A. uh, Angels. Stephanie? I think it's interesting. Uh, It it is a large amount of money. It's interesting to me that they sign such long deals. I get it. But signing such a long deal with teams that aren't really – haven't been successful. So I guess you're just hoping they build around you in the long term. I'm a really competitive person. I like to win. So I'd want to sign somewhere where I know 
I know that's guaranteed. So that's that's my take on it. It's sad. It's scary for me when it comes to Mookie Betts, and um, I, I, I don't like what Jeremy said about it means we're out of the bet sweepstakes. I love Mookie. Well, I have a lot of problems with it. Um, here, here's the interesting thing. Mookie pushes this propaganda that, oh, it's my duty to hit free agency to increase the market for not only myself, but for all the guys after me. And here we had the biggest free agent that was going to hit the market next year, Nolan Arenado, take you know, an, an early deal with the Colorado Rockies, which was only for eight years, but the average annual value of that $32.5 million, was the highest, at least per year. And he chose to stay with his, you know, the only team he's ever played for. And here's Mike Trout, who was going to hit the market the same time as Mookie, and he's agreed to a deal as well. Now, Obviously, the Angels, you know, here's the crazy thing. Bryce Harper spent all winter, up until about a week and a half ago, waiting for somebody to offer him that record-breaking deal. And he finally got it in early March. And he only broke the record by $5 million. Giancarlo Stanton was the previous record holder, $325 million. Harper's is for $330 million. So for a week and a half, he's the highest paid player of all time. It took $100 million, more than what Harper got, for Mike Trout to stay with, in my opinion, one of the shittiest teams. Jeremy apparently disagrees a little bit. But the three worst teams in Major League Baseball uh, over the past decade have been the Marlins, uh, the Mets, aside from that one run they had in 2015, and the Angels. Mike Trout's been a major leaguer. This is going to be his eighth season, and he's never won a playoff game. The Angels have never won a playoff game with Mike Trout, and they got swept by the Royals. I can't remember if it was 2014 or 15, but it was one of those years. And Albert Pujols was still a pretty good player, you know, at that point. You know, a, a top 10 or 15 position player anyway, or, you know, offensive player, I should say. He was probably a DH, but, but and they just make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. You know, every move they made this season, I'm like, oh, that's such an Angels move. They It took them how many years to fire Mike Sosha? And then they finally do, and then they replace him with a guy, uh, Brad Osmus, who wasn't very well regarded with how he handled uh, the Tigers those years. I think he made the playoffs once. Dombrowski goes out and gets David Price, who was the reigning uh, Cy Young winner that year. They had Max Scherzer and uh, Justin Furlander. That's probably the best one, two, three of any you know, starting rotation in, in recent memory in the playoffs. I certainly, I mean, Pedro Schilling was a nice one, too, in 04, but they had the three consecutive Cy Young winners, the Tigers did, and they got swept one, two, three by the Baltimore Orioles. And, 
you know, they didn't have a bullpen either, so, you know, that was probably part of it. Shocker, you know, and here we come into 2019 with what we have now. But I just, I, I just think it, it was a terrible move. You know, it was overkill. And, you know, with Mookie Betts, I don't think he gets that amount. I think Mookie, in his mind right now, thinks he's going to match that. He's probably thinking if he's in the top three for Cy Young and maybe even wins it in the next couple of years, he might be able to match that. I think that's his mindset. And so, unlike those two, I don't think he's coming to the table. I don't think he's going to come to the table. And I think that's a dick move. The Red Sox have tried everything and... You know how much how much money is enough? You know if they offered him three fifty, I'm I'm almost positive he wouldn't take it. If that's what they offered him tomorrow, I don't think he would take it. I think he would he would hold out to try to, you know, get, you know, into the four hundreds like Trout. Terry, what would what? <laughs> All right, what should the Angels have done in your opinion? Honestly, <laughs> this is not going to be. You know what? I can't. I can't speak to what they should have done. You know, they they should have started a rebuild. Whether that that involved a Mike Trout trade or not, uh, you know, I I don't know. I mean, the rebuild should have started two or three years ago. Sosha should have been out of there two or three years ago. They make terrible fucking decision. They haven't had a starting rotation in like five years. And they're, they're a big market team that likes to spend money, you know? And I, I so, I mean, it doesn't matter what I think they should do. They're just, they're a fucking terrible organization and they're not going to do those things. You know, and there's the argument. I, 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 look, what I want to know is if you disagree with the Trout signing and the amounts being ridiculous, what should they have done with I, Trout All right, the, what they should have done was they should have shipped him and, and, re, and just started a rebuild. That's what they should have done. And then the argument, the argument on the other side is, well, marketing, they need him, you know, that they, that sells seats. I don't give a flying fuck how their manager lines his fucking pockets with money because it hasn't worked so far. The business I want my team to pursue is winning. Winning is the best business. Here's a question for you, Jeremy. Let's, let's go in a completely different direction real quick. Take the first three Red Sox World Series, 04, 07, 2013. Name me one contract that was so bad it had, you know, it had some bad consequences. Name me one in those in those first three World Series. If you think hard enough, the probably the closest you're going to come up with is Dice K. Matsuzaka. And I can't say that that's, you know, was absolutely terrible because he was kind of a cornerstone of that 2007 rotation. He even drove in a couple of runs in the World Series. He hit a two-run single in Game 3 against the Rockies. And then the following season, he was an 18-game winner, you know, which helped get him into the the playoffs. His ERA was like a three-something. But so I, I can't even say that that was a terrible deal. I mean, we got a World Series out of it. John Lackey was like a reverse of that. He was terrible at first, but we probably don't win in 2013 without John Lackey. But you can't give me 
an example of of a terrible contract, you know, of a big contract. I mean, you know, some little ones, Brad Penny and John Smoltz didn't work out, but those were tiny contracts. So we have witnessed three out of four World Series by building smart rosters and, and not doing anything really stupid. And the Angels are fucking stupid. And that's that's all there is to they, it. They didn't. They didn't. The Red Sox haven't won a World Series without Pablo Sandoval's bad contract, Hanley's bad contract being a factor. That was 2018, I, and which I left I mean, out. You you are you are, and I got to give you credit because you know I, credit is due when it's due of shaping the hypothetical to fit your narrative, and that's what you just did. You set a barometer in a bracket, and then excluded certain time period where you knew that I had. A reason to, to respond. So lo- respect the hell out of the, the hypothetical. <laughs> respect the ability to shape it into a form that fits what you're trying to approve. But uh, respectfully disagree because I'd like to extend the, 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 the time period to conclude other contracts. The other thing which I'm going to admit is as much as I think I have, you know, and I've been a Boston Red Sox fan since as long as I can literally remember like speaking. Um, I, I'm going to say that my memory of the 04 roster is a little bit hazy compared to the, the, the 18 roster. Now, my other comment would be, why the fuck are you so upset about the Angels? We're Boston Red Sox fans, as far as I can recall. So why do you give a fuck if Angels are doing anything but trying to make money? Because it's- That's the thing that's like going back to uh, getting off of your hypothetical, because I just don't really want to respond to it. Uh, it's baffling that you give such a large amount of shit about a team that we're not a fan of. I mean, and maybe you are. Maybe, maybe It has implications, though. It has direct implications to Mookie Betts. So it, yeah, it does that's fucking what he's matter. Fired up about it does fucking matter. I totally understand that part of it. And, I mean, it, it's... Look, we, we are, as Boston sports fans... Terry, and I know you're not a fan of all four Boston sports fans. Okay? So with that said, I'm speaking on my own behalf. We are so fucking spoiled that we need to maybe possibly reconsider d- defining or updating the term spoiled. I mean, we have had it so good, and I'm old enough to remember the bad years. You know, my high school, I've said this on the podcast before. My high school thesis paper was the cur- about the curse of the Bambino. Um, so I remember the bad times. We've had it so good. We've had, we, we've had everything, and even when we've had down years and we had the back-to-back last place finishes, with the Red Sox, our ability to come back and be right back in the thick of it almost immediately has been unbelievable. The, the, between the Patriots, Bruins, the Sox, I mean, the whole thing's just been unbelievable. Not every, not every city, not every franchise is going to have that fortune. It's going to have ownership that does the right things, that hires the right people, whether it be business people or or you know, the general managers or you know the 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 the, the um, athletic minds. Okay, so the Angels aren't that. No one is. No one's disagreeing with that. Do I think they're the worst franchise in Major League Baseball? I don't think they're the worst franchise in Major League Baseball. Do I think they're bad? Yeah, of course I do. Anybody with a, with, with eyes is going to be able to see that they're not a great franchise. Do I fault them for trying to make money and keep the best player in the league? No, I don't. I don't. And I, and I and that, that there's no one's going to doubt that it's going to have a negative effect on the value of Mookie Betts being a Boston Red Sox because it's going to lower the chances. It's certainly going to increase his value, and I I totally agree with that. But, I mean, we can't control everything that happens within the player department, MLBPA, 
and Major League Baseball. We can't. We're dealt the hand we're dealt. Two weeks ago, we sat on this podcast and talked about how Mookie Betts wasn't probably going to be a Red Sox. Now, maybe this solidifies that even more so, but, I mean, we've already resigned ourselves to the fact that this particular player has not been, in my opinion, fair to the organization because the organization, as much as they fucked John Lester for no reason, other than basically an attempt at fiscal responsibility, have have done have literally went like had a conversation with Mookie. Mookie's like, hey, go fuck yourself. And they're like, hey, media, come, come, come to my office so I can tell you we want to talk to you, Mookie. We're begging you. We'll pay you what you want, but you got to tell us what you want. And he's sitting there going, I'm not going to tell you. So I, as much as I understand that this is going to have an effect on the value of Mookie Betts, the value of Mookie Betts is most determined by Mookie Betts. And one of the things he's not doing is coming to the table. He's not being fair to the organization that now whether you subscribe to this theory or not fine but he came up he was drafted by the red sox he came up in this organization and at the end of the day he is going to make a life-changing amount of money as a result of the boston red sox putting him in a position to succeed and if he doesn't see that and if he doesn't want to place that into uh, into account that's his decision but he was going to do that regardless of what happened today just today puts the thing out of like uh, you know i mean you might as well be on mars if you think Mookie Betts is going to sign a sub $350 million deal and say a Boston Red Sox. Do you think seeing Trout come come to the table early does anything for Mookie? No, because of the value. Yeah. But it's a dick move, if, like if, I said. If it said. was $330 million, I would say yes. But because right. it's 100 fucking million more dollars than that, no, I don't. Right. I was underlying the point earlier that, you know... It, the two other big guys that were going to command, two out of the three guys that were going to command the biggest contracts over the next two winters signed early, you know, and <laughs> I, I don't know how much is enough. Uh, we're going to get to 2018. I It's perfectly fair for me to leave that out. You know, 20, 2004 <laughs> through 2013, that was basically the the you know, the Theo Epstein era and all the guys who, even though Epstein wasn't there in 2013, those were the guys he drafted. 2018 was, there was several fucked up decisions and the Red Sox, you know, got away with a World Series. But let's go back to 2013. Now, the luxury tax around this point goes, I, I don't know where the line is, but it's it goes between 189 million to 197. So, that's the range of which it fluctuates. Red Sox, their payroll in 2013 was 171 million, pretty good. Had you know roughly 20 million to spare. Giants next year, same exact payroll, 171 million. The Royals in 2015, they won a World Championship with a 112 million dollar payroll. The Chicago Cubs, 2016, cutting it a little closer than uh, anyone thus far, but they were 184 million. I think by this point the luxury tax was up to 197. The Astros, as I, we were saying before, as I was saying before we come on, probably the smartest team in Major League Baseball. They won it in 2017 with a 138 million dollar payroll and this was after they acquired justin verlander halfway through the season and they basically got him for porcello money his 
his average annual is $27.5 million. They're only paying $20 million a year for him after that trade. Just an absolutely shrewd move. If you could go back to 2016, you know, before the season started, you probably disagree. I would take Justin Verlander all day long over Chris Sale. The guy gives you six, seven full months. He got a ring before Chris Sale did. He'll, the the Astros, last I checked, were the Vegas favorites to win the World Series this year. And, you know, Verlander will be on that team, probably get extended. Um, you know, and he, he has every every making of, of 04 Kurt Schilling, who was 37 years old when he arrived with the Boston Red Sox and pitched for three more years and was a key part of another ring. I really think Verlander's going to be that guy. And this is where it gets really fucked up. The Red Sox, highest payroll of all time in uh, 2018, $227 million. They were, I'm bad at math, uh, looks like $28 million over the um, luxury tax. They had like $60 million of dead money on the books, so that's what kind of skews it a little bit. Um, you know, Pablo Sandoval, Hanley Ramirez was DFA'd earlier in the year. Rusny Castillo has a lot of money. Dustin Pedroia, $13 million. Uh, Alan Craig had, I think, only like a million, but, you know, still on the books. And a lot of dumb decisions got made, and they won 108 games, which happened to fall in one of the weakest years in American League history, the weakest of my lifetime that I can recall. And they won the World Series. And But you can't say that there were a lot of dumb decisions there. The three previous years, the rosters were very well balanced. And in 20, 2017, no, excuse me, 2013, the highest contract on the books was John Lackey, 15.9 million. David Ortiz was second. 14.5 million. Victorino and Napoli were both making 13 million a year because they were a fucking smart front office and they knew how to balance a team. And I'm not saying Dombrowski necessarily doesn't because he inherited a mess. You know, a lot of those, all of those bad contracts were there before he got there. And, but at the same time, I mean, he did fuck up a Tigers organization on the way out and they still haven't recovered. This will be the, uh, let's see, the the fifth straight year they haven't made the playoffs and they're probably not going to make it for another three. That's how fucked up that team is. And he's never been able to build a bullpen. And Alex Cora has a high, you know, baseball IQ, did an awesome job, was extremely innovative. I didn't see that coming last year. Credit to him for, you know, doing what he had to do to, you know, to get us all the way to the end. But... Um, it, you know, it definitely wasn't a great bullpen, and it's even looking even worse this year. And when people say, and the, I'll wrap my point up with this, when people say that, oh, money doesn't matter, the Red Sox can afford anything, you know, they're the Boston fucking Red Sox, look at our fucking bullpen. We w- Kelvin Herrera was the bargain guy this offseason. $9 million a year, that's all he cost. $1 million more a year than Joe Kelly. And we laid there like dead fish. So you can be an optimist all you want now, but what if Matt Barnes goes down with an injury? Then what? Who's the fucking next man up? Bobby Pointer? (laughs) 
I just, that's why it matters. That's why you don't sign stupid fucking contracts. And the New York Yankees haven't won a division since 2012. <laughs> and they've had, a, you know, they had one deep playoff run via the wild card and, you know, lost to us last year. But that's that was a product of several bad decisions. Mark Teixeira, eight years, 180 million. CC Sabathia, seven years, 161 million. Alex Rodriguez, 10 years, 275 million. I was in the process of looking up what Jeter's deal was. I didn't. I know he was on cheap money the last couple of years, but he was getting like 21 million dollars a year in the 07 through 2013 time frame, roughly. Uh, you can't. You can't. You, that's not sustainable. So. I just gave you all the payrolls and, and you know, they're, they were all under the luxury tax. And, and and the other pathetic fucking thing about that Yankees team, they were all fucking juicing. Robinson Cano was on that team. Melky Cabrera in his prime was on that team. He would have won the MVP in 2012 with the Giants had he not gotten busted halfway through the season. He, he was running away with that thing and then got popped for steroids. So the Yankees in the A-Rod era only got one World Series after spending all that money, and they were cheating. They were fucking juicing, and they still only won one World Series. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm not for huge fucking payrolls. So that, I, you know, I'm going to shit on the Angels. I'm going to shit on all these teams. The Houston Astros is one of the best teams. They got one of the best farm systems. They're going to be good for a really long time because they're fucking smart. And, you know, if the Red Sox don't do anything stupid here and can kind of, you know, get get these guys developed, you know, they might, you know, they might be able to develop other guys. But, you know, I just, you know, the economics to me is huge and and uh you know we, we saw three world series with with a smart gm and he built the team the right way last year's team we got away with a lot of shit we won the world series more power to us but you're probably not going to see that again you're not going to see 60 million dollars of dead money on a on a team's roster that that wins the world series that's an anomaly and the, those are my points on that Well, that's electric. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you jumped all over the place, in my opinion, and I had a hard time understanding where you went from your original point to where you ended. But I'll just put it to you this way. The fact that you think that every team gives a shit about winning a World Series is hard to believe. These are business people trying to make money. And the Angels may... You know, what? The, what? Again, I don't listen to what people say publicly except for the Yankees, the Patriots, the Red Sox, the Steelers... Um, I mean, the Celtics, I guess there, there's like, I could probably name less than 10 teams that I really truly believe that what they say publicly is what they mean. Like, you know, one is spending over the limit and costing yourself money to win. It's just not the case. I mean, and I wish Liz was here for this part of it because the devil rays are the prime example, but teams don't necessarily set out privately not what they say publicly privately and take action based on what they think is going to win a world series or a championship regardless of the sport like these are these are 
mostly like nine out of 10 owners made their money in other businesses. And, you know, some of them bought the team as a fan, like, for example, Robert Kraft. But most of them are in this to make money. They're, they're in it to turn a profit. And how do you turn the most profit? Well, you don't pay luxury tax. You sign players that are marketable to make you money not on the field, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So the fact that for whatever reason you're upset that the, the, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim don't give a fuck about trying to win a World Series is, is borderline baffling. Like, they clearly don't. Who gives a shit? It's one less team trying to win a World Series. I care because the Red Sox want to win World Series. So if there's teams out there that aren't trying to meet the same goals as the Red Sox, that's one less hurdle we have to step over to get where we want to go. So go ahead and overspend. I don't give a fuck. I mean, who gives a shit? Go, go turn a profit, L.A. I don't give a shit. I want to win World Series. I want to win NBA championships, Stanley Cup finals, and, and Super Bowls. And our programs, our teams, do what we want them to do which is take the fans' dollar bills, attention, views, subscriptions to the, to the packages, uh, jersey sales, and et cetera, and go put a product on the field that wins. Our teams do that. I got no issue with that. And that one of the reasons why we're not going to sign Mookie, because this ownership is not going to sacrifice the next 10 years of this roster for one player, no matter how dynamic and good he is. And I, would- I like that about our ownership. Do I blame the Angels for trying to turn a profit by re-signing the best player in baseball and overpaying him because they know he'll play other places? No, I don't fault them. It makes sense. It's a business decision. the The fact that you're so upset about it is like is borderline baffling. I honestly don't understand why why you're you're so fired up about this. They they make a business decision. Who gives a fuck? It's one less hurdle. Fine, let them be bad for the next twelve years. Let Philly be bad for the next twelve years. Well, everybody- I mean, the Orioles suck. The Blue Jays suck. The Devil Rays are never going to be, uh, uh, even if they catch lightning in a, in a pan, they're not going to be good any any stretch. Of, so just t- less teams we have to worry about to meet our ultimate goal. Because in Boston, our ultimate goal is winning championships. That's what we do. And all of our teams are set up to do it. So if other teams aren't, aren't, aren't taking the steps necessary to be a hurdle, then don't be a hurdle and just make it easier for us. That's all I give a shit about. Okay. I just don't blame them for trying to sign someone that's marketable clean cut, no trouble, married his high school sweetheart, go ahead and overpay to keep him out of Philly. Go for it. That's just one less hurdle we have to worry. We already have to worry about the Astros in the in that division who are a good program, who have good ownership, who have a great manager, who have great players, who just signed Bregman about an hour ago to a contract. He's going to be a problem for the next decade. Like, who gives a shit? Okay, there's a lot wrong with that because, number one, we've already covered that it does have direct implications on the Boston Red Sox and 80%, probably 99% of the fan base who realistically wants to sign Mookie Betts can't be happy with that. Number two, it's not good for baseball. And Rob Manfred, who I don't like anyway, so I'm not really necessarily siding with him, but he said earlier, well, maybe it was last year, that Mike Trout isn't marketable. Like that's not good for baseball to have the what you said, possibly the greatest player of all time on a team that's never going to win a fucking World Series. There's no fucking way that's good for baseball and I mean, I'm a Red Sox fan. Like I said, I'm in the business of winning. That's what I want my team to do. But when my team isn't in it, I'm glued to those fucking playoffs. October is my favorite month of the year and I I'm a baseball fan too. And when the Red Sox are either winning or losing nine to one, you know, in a non-competitive game, 
I'm flipping over to the Brewers. I'm flipping over to Oakland. I'm flipping over to the Diamondbacks. And, you know, I'm watching baseball. There's nothing There's nothing good about Mike Trout signing with, with the fucking Anaheim Angels. They are never going to win a World Series in his lifetime. He's going to be the Ted Williams of this decade. And it, maybe he is going to be the greatest of all time. But it's, it's absolutely disgusting. And... Well, I mean, I okay, so you just moved the needle on me again because now if you're asking me if it's good for baseball, then I have to agree with you. It's not good for baseball. Well, you're asking me who gives a fuck. I give a fuck. The fans of Oakland give uh, Oakland Anaheim give a fuck. So what you're essentially saying in that little bit that you just did is they're the stupidest fucking fan base in Major League Baseball. That's essentially what you just said. <laughs> because they're not trying to no. win. They're not trying to win, even though their owners are trying to sell them on winning. So all of Anaheim, his name is I Jeremy I just insulted Schilling. all of Anaheim, according to, uh, to Terrence Cushman. I, I, I don't disagree with you that it's bad for baseball, and I've already resided myself that Mookie Betts is not going to be a Boston Red Sox beyond the next year or two. I disagree. So I'm just like, I, I'm not, that's not even a consideration. Is it bad for baseball? Yeah, because what you just did... Anaheim and what Mike Trout just did was push player salaries beyond. Now we've talked all off season about how baseball has attempted to suppress player salaries. How how there there appears to be a league wide movement to curtail overspending, especially on free agency. And it seemed like it was really being successful as of three weeks ago. Then Machado signed, then Harper signed. But the contracts were kind of in line where we thought they were going to be. And to that extent, it was like, okay, well, these are, you know, these are generational talents. So, you know, we, we, at least I said to myself, and I think I said on this podcast that despite the fact that I have some comments on each player, generally speaking, the contracts fell where most everyone thought they were going to fall. Everyone else that's not a generational talent continued to have their contracts suppressed. Okay, Gio Gonzalez just signed for $3 million with the New York Yankees, okay, as an example. Now, what Mike Trout has, was able to do was a product of the Angels overreacting to the Philadelphia narrative. And does it hurt baseball? Yes. Is Mookie Betts going to be probably the next $350 million to $400 million player? Yes, I do. And by the way, Mookie's way more marketable than Mike Trout. He's an electric personality. He's a bowler. He's... You know, he has all these other talents. So I, I don't know what team's going to get crazy over Mookie Betts. It's not going to be Boston. Jeremy, I thought you but, didn't think Mookie was relatable. Yeah, exactly. What did I say? You said he wasn't relatable. You said he wasn't relatable before. And I said... You, you know, just you, called him... You just called him... I forget the word you just said. You just said he was great and people would love him and this and that. Marketable. He's fucking marketable. Marketable. boring. He's but you watered said he wasn't down. relatable. Those two things should go together. Relatable in... Okay, so if I said something in the past that you're using against me, I'm not <laughs> immediately recalling it and I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm it's not... It's just the whole conversation we had on Mookie and you said it, he acted like aloof, like I, he didn't care, like you couldn't relate to him. I thought you meant endearing and you're like, oh, with the contract, endearing. with the contract, We're with his inability to discuss it with the Red Sox, with, with his inability to come to the table where the Red Sox are literally going to the media and begging to have the conversation with, with him. Now, now, is he marketable? Yes. Yes. I mean, he is marketable. He's got a great smile. He's a great personality. He's a fantastic athlete. He's a bowler. He has some of these other talents. 
to to some extent, like I think most fans of baseball look at Mookie and they're like, he's so off the charts that I can't relate to him. But that doesn't mean they don't like him. I think he's going to be and 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 Terry touched on something with Mike Trout where uh, Manfred said that Trout's hasn't been marketed enough. Um, I don't remember the exact, and I'm not trying to quote Terry. I'm trying to quote Manfred. He doesn't do and enough I agree, to market like, himself is what he said. Yeah, L- yeah. not only has Trout not done enough, L.A. hasn't done enough. The Angels haven't done enough. He has not been put out in front. And that one of the things that's crazy about this deal is that he's not – he seems to be somebody that's marketable, but they're not marketing him for whatever reason. Now, look – let. That aside, and, and if I'm being inconsistent, then call me on it, and we can talk about that you know, within this podcast and in a few minutes. But my point being is that I don't disagree that the contract's bad for baseball. And now, if we want to get into a debate of whether the, the, the young players are coming to the sport and all that, that's not what I was intending to do with my comments. What I was intending to say is, if I, I understand, and I've said this from the start of this podcast and this topic, I understand why Anaheim did it. They overreacted to Philadelphia. They wanted the best player, and he was going to leave if they didn't overpay him by what appears to be $100 million. So, I mean, that's all I was intending to say. So, you know, at the end of the day, do I give a shit that they did it, you know, because I don't think it has, like, Mookie's already gone, guys. He's already gone. I don't agree with so, that. I, I refuse to believe that. I, 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 I'm not <laughs> saying I disagree. here a year from now and... Terry and I will be eating our words. I get it, but I refuse to accept that reality. No, and this is why I, I'm not going to rule it out. I, and I, I've been on record, and I'm going to, I'm going to say it for the next two years. Apparently, that I don't want a 300 plus million dollar player on my payroll clogging it up. But the Red Sox are extremely image conscious, and they mentioned the John Lester for the first time in five years. They admitted they were wrong on the Lester thing. And they're they're extremely image conscious. This isn't exactly you know related to it, but you know they changed Yaki way. I don't even remember, but they're doing all these little things in multiple areas to improve their image. And I think they're afraid to be the team that that didn't hold on to Mookie that let him go to Philly. Maybe him and Harper are texting right now. Maybe you know maybe they're going to be Thunder buddies for life now that Trout's not going to go. But I just I can't I can't rule out the Red Sox not going after him. <laughs> I'd much rather sign JD and, and Xander and just have a couple of relatively shorter term contracts. I'm guessing sales gonna get extended. I'm a little nervous about that, but um, but I you know there's better ways to spend spend our money. But I I just can't rule out the Red Sox. You know, not not bringing him back. You guys still with me? I'm here. I want I, mean, like, I want to rule them out, Jerry. I, I, I want to agree with you, and I hope you're right. I just, but it's just the you know just the the vibe uh, you know that we're getting every time they talk about Mookie is just that they want him. You know, and it's. I, 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 I'm look, I'm assuming that the organization has a line drawn in the sand and they're not going to cross it. Everyone in this, in this city. And I say the city, like I still live in the area, even though I don't, but I grew up there. I lived there for almost 30 years. Um, 
everyone in our city appreciates the Patriots for their fiscal responsibility and their ability where they don't necessarily flash in every year except for maybe 07, but that they're consistently there. And why are they consistently there? They're consistently there because they let guys like Trey Flowers go to Detroit for $90 million. And they let guys go that are that are going to be overpaid by other teams. You know, I, I don't want to get into football examples because this isn't a football podcast. Everyone that is a Boston Red Sox fan listening to this podcast that's also a Patriots fan is going, I love the Patriots for that. If you love the Patriots for that, then you have to understand that if your ownership with the Boston Red Sox don't draw a line in the sand on Mookie Betts, you're hampering your ability to be competitive year in and year out for whatever the length of the term is on that contract is going to be, which is probably going to be 10 to 12 years. Now, during that 10 to 12 years, are you going to have a flash in the pan? In 2023, are they going to have some draft picks evolve, you know, uh, emerge and be successful and make a World Series run? Maybe. But probably not. And for those 12 years, you're going to have some real bad years where you're just hamstrung by one guy making $40 million a year. If you're, if you look in my mind, I prefer the Patriots approach. Okay. You're competitive every year, but you're fiscally responsible and you're, you're spending your money on proven valid existing talent that may for whatever reason have a dip in, a dip in value, whether it be an underrate, someone being underrated whether it be uh, an injury or whatever, where you pounce on that player for a year. Now, I'm not. The, the the sports are different. The NFL has the has this cap that you can fuck with to some extent that I don't even understand, frankly. And and baseball's different. But I j- look, guys, to the people that are listening to this podcast. If Mookie Betts want, wants four hundred million dollars a de- a year, one, I don't think the Boston Red Sox are going to offer it, and two. I don't want them to offer it. It's it, it, it. We're not the L.A. Angels. I, I already just went into that 10 minutes ago. We're not the L.A. Angels. We're not. We're the Boston Red Sox. We make good decisions. We don't overpay for Craig Kimball despite the deficiencies in the bullpen because we know as an ownership that that's an overpayment for that player, for that position. So you make other decisions. And maybe it's not great. Maybe you'd rather have that guy for one year at a certain dollar figure but you don't want him at five years, $100 million. So you don't sign the player. I mean, look, it, you have to be, you have to have an eye towards every year in the future while trying to maintain the ability to win this year. Our teams are so good at that. Let's not be the LA Angels. And if you sign Mookie Betts to $400 million, you're becoming the LA Angels. In my mind, in my, you know, and, and I could be wrong. Like, I'm not claiming I'm right. I'm just, I think I'm right. And I, I hope I'm right. It doesn't make any sense, and I don't think they're willing to do that. Well, I mean, the Red Sox didn't... They weren't going to go for Kimbrell anyway. I, I think they see the red flags, but but they would have... If they could have moved at the winter meetings, Bradley uh, Bogarts was made available, and uh, Rick Porcello, if they could have moved one of those three, they probably would have signed a reliever. So it's... It's not that they're being smart. It's just that they're, you know, handcuffed, you know, and victims of their own circumstances, you know, of the jammed up payroll that they have. But um, I just, 
Yeah, I and what if they do? So what if what if tomorrow Mookie gets three seventy five to four hundred? Then then what? I mean, it's an interesting hypothetical. Um, I think to some extent I'll be happy that I get to watch Mookie Betts in a Red Sox uniform for the next twelve years. Yeah. I think another part of me is gonna be, well fuck. We're not going to be able to fill out that fourth and fifth starter. Our bullpen's going to lack depth, and we're going to have position players that you know may not necessarily be you know above average major league players. And and I will think, like I've s- stated, that I think it's going to have a problem. It's going to create a problem being a consistent contender every year. Creates a long term bottleneck. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. We'll see. I mean, it's going to be an interesting couple of years. The Phillies might get away with winning with Harper because their payroll right now is only at 110. The luxury tax is 206. So they could literally add a, a Trout deal or, or a Mookie deal even in a couple of years, and they're still going to have plenty of money left over. Like, they're extremely well positioned because they built their team the right way. You know, the. The Red Sox just, they kept fucking up, but then they'd compensate in other areas, and then they'd fuck up. They compensated again, and we got it all the way up to $227 million last year, and it just, it worked out. You know, it worked out. But I just, with all these big deals coming up, it, like, they they have to be flawless in, in which players they choose to sign, and... I'm just, I'm really nervous. I We don't know what a sale contract's going to look like. It, it might be three or four years. It might be six or seven. And the latter of which is probably going to have some pretty drastic con, uh, consequences. You know, and w- with position players, I know I just mentioned the Phillies. Only one time in the history of the World Series did it get one with a position player north of $200 million. That was the Yankees in... 2009 with Rodriguez hasn't been done since it it typically doesn't work out and as I pointed out the Red Sox won three being really smart now with that said I would spend for pitching I would you know if another top talent and I don't think there's anybody for at least the next couple of years but you know if you got another guy like Price minus the stuff I hate about him but you know someone who could potentially be dominant I would give him well I guess Bumgarner is a fair enough example I'd give him a 25 to 30 million dollar contract you know next year if if I had the room to do it I'll pay for pitching all day long I don't see the value in doing that with with a position player. I'm just I'm never going to see the value. We can't replace Mookie Betts with one player. We'll probably have to replace him with two players, but it can be done and there can be balance throughout the lineup and and you know, if you can develop the Chavises and the Dahlbecks, I mean, maybe those guys end up being part of the solution. And that's what I want to see and you know, hopefully none of these guys get traded. I don't want to trade these guys. I would rather, I would just rather not win this year than than give up these guys to get a reliever or two that might help us win. I mean, I just see these top major league ready prospects being key pieces for, if not this year, you know, next year, the year after, and the next five or six, like. 
you know, I, I just want them to get things right, you know, between now and, you know, the end of next year's free agency. Because, again, Bogart's probably not sale, but he would be a free agent. J.D. Martinez, Rick Porcello, uh, you know, are all free agents. And, you know, we can't keep everyone. And, and you want to keep the guys that are going to keep you sustainable, that are going to be healthy, that are going to be productive. And, you know, and, and like I said earlier, our GM fucked up his previous team. They haven't been competitive for five years. Probably not going to be for another three or four. So that's basically a full decade you know, it's going to take that team to recover from his bad decisions. And this is the guy who's, you know, our future is in his hands. So, you know, so I think we have a lot to be nervous about, you know, over the next year. I mean, look... <laughs> I think I'm on record on what I think about Mookie, and I'm excited for whatever way they fill that spot, whether it be a prospect or uh, bridge the gap until either the next free agent or the, pros- uh, the prospect. I, you know, I just, like, again, and I don't want to belabor the point, but you know, I just don't see him being here um, the way they run the program. Well, I mean, that would, to me, that would be a relief to me because that tells me, you know, they want to be smart, they want to be economical, you know, and they want their, I want to be like the Houston Astros. That's that's the team I want to be like. <laughs> and Here, Here's what I see them doing, and by the way, I've got to get going because I've got something i got to do in the morning and I still have to pack for my trip, but here's what I see them doing. I see them doing a very public offer. Like, right. li- like, Hey, Mookie, you know, probably through the globe or whatever, we're offering you twelve three twenty five. And that could happen any day. Could be happen now, could happen at the also break, could happen after the year, whatever it is. This is what we're offering you. Make it public so that when he rejects it, they can say, Look, we told you what we offered him. It was reasonable. It was a shitload of money. It was in the same ballpark as Machado and Harper. He rejected it. That's you know, we did our due diligence. We we negotiated. We made an offer in good faith, and that's what I expect. And if he wants to, you know, if he's consistent with what he's been saying, which is he wants to break the bank and he wants to, you know, uh, be a, a beacon of light for the players association, then let him go do it. But let him go do that with another, you know, bad program. Let let LA pay eight hundred million dollars for two players. And if that happens, that's that's fine. You know, I, I would be fine with that. And if, you know, if this year doesn't go well, and I know I keep saying that's an unpleasant thought, and we don't want to we don't want to go to a dark place like that before the season starts, but hypothetically, we're not in it in July, and they make that very public offer. Yeah, I, I might dangle him, you know, if, if someone overwhelms me with, you know they have to dangle him in that in that hypothetical that scenario. They have to. I they do I'm have to. But start a hashtag. Don't dangle Mookie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't Definitely know. Go ahead. I'll retweet you. We could use. Thank you. We we'll could see use if I can get it trending. Top pitching prospect is what we need because Groom is at least two or three years away, and you know, 
We still have price for four more years, but all right. Well, Jeremy, you got to go. I don't feel like starting another segment. We were going to mention the uh, the rules, but we got all season to bitch about that. Yeah. Uh, Good luck in Vegas, Jeremy. Win big, come back. I, I, well, I plan to come back. I have very little hope of winning big, but I do. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm going out there for that purpose. Well, um, you budgeted, I'll so be, you should be fine. I'm ready to go. Oh, you have no idea. It's my happy place. Uh, I will be back on the next podcast ready to talk about the uh, prediction show. Um, I'm excited for that. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be back for the next one. Um, all right, guys, good night. Really appreciate the uh, back and forth tonight. I thought it was uh, very entertaining, even, you know, just being a part of it. I thought that the back and forth was entertaining. I hope the listeners feel the same way. Yes, good show, good show. All right, thanks, guys. We'll wrap it up with that. Have a good night. Thanks. Bye. And uh, I told these guys I was going to bring it, and uh, I got pretty heated, and, uh, you know, maybe we weren't too organized with, you know how we we <laughs> we went about the uh you know the mookie segment there but uh or in the trout segment i should say but um but um nonetheless another episode in the books and we'll be back next tuesday and uh, you know for the red Sox, you know you might want to pay attention because a sale signing could definitely happen I don't expect uh, much to come out of the Mookie camp. If anybody is waiting to see if that's a domino that'll fall, I, I don't think that that's um, remotely imminent. So, but uh, definitely sale and uh, other extensions could happen throughout the league. Maybe Verlander could happen. I mean, he's been talking about it with the Astros and, uh, you know, other teams as well. It does happen in the last 48 to 72 hours before opening day. Rick Porcello uh, was a good example of that right before 2015. And um, so, yeah, anyway, have uh, it's uh, only Tuesday, so have a good rest of your week. And uh, we'll be back uh next next tuesday so take care that's where i long to be i'm a member of the red sox nation it's a kind of insanity yeah, i live and die with red sox right for eternity i sleepwalk It's a kind of a man.